Sinners and Saints. Dust off those horns and halos. It's time for Alec After Dark. Some days I just ask myself, why are you so cynical? Of course I can point to the reasons, but is it a choice to continue to be cynical? It's about trust, isn't it? If you've been burned so many times in relationships, friendships, whatever, it's kind of hard to not always be suspicious of people, don't you think? I wonder how how is it that we develop certain levels of trust with certain people? Like, I'm sure the doctor you go to, your general practitioner, you trust them, don't you? I trust mine, even though I went misdiagnosed with a problem for a while, but finally we figured it out. I got the apology from my doctor and I think that made me trust him even more. You know, I've been talking a lot over the past couple of weeks about my dentist because I've had to have crowns replaced and you start thinking about it. You're as vulnerable as you can be in that position with your mouth open and your dentist is in your mouth with drills and metal instruments and things like that. And I don't even think about it. I don't think about him slipping or cutting me or damaging me in any way, shape, or form. How do we develop that level of trust with other people? I guess I just answered my own question, didn't I? Would I still trust him if he was to slip or rip the wrong tooth out or do damage and hurt and cut me or something? I guess once you've been burned in a relationship, you apply that same fear, that cynicism to everyone. Why do I do that? Did that just seem like a bunch of random shit I just said? Probably so. Sinners and Saints, how you doing? Are you feeling well? You feeling sexy? You're looking good, I know. Are you getting ready to go to happy hour? Are you heading to work? Are you just laying around listening to this hideous voice talk about crazy shit that you could hear probably anywhere? You know, I've been thinking about doing like a happy hour episode, but... I'd have to have all my friends in agreement that they would be willing to talk on a podcast. And I don't think some of them want to. And that's fine. That's fine. I don't don't want to guilt anybody into being on the podcast. And by the way, I think my mouth's so big, I talk enough for most of the world anyway, don't I? I think I do. (laughs) But since you brought up dentist, let's talk about mine one more time before I finally let that go. Yes, yes, yes. I am totally attracted to him. I've got the hots for him. I've had the hots for him since the first time I met him. And I met him first when he took over the practice of the dentist that I was going to who had decided to retire. And in that first visit, he asked right away, he says, do you know Angela? And I'm like, well, yeah, Angela is my cousin. And he's like, well, we went to high school together. And just let me remind you, the names are changed to protect the guilty, the satisfied, and the innocent. And in these cases, it's the innocent. So we'll call him Dr. Wilson. And I've described Dr. Wilson before. He's got a a full beard. His hair is a little bit longer since the pandemic. He's salt and pepper. He's got these sort of deep brooding eyes that are pretty intense, even though his voice is very conversational. He's very relaxed and relatively lighthearted, but it's a deeper authoritative voice too. But I think most doctors are like that, aren't they? They are more commanding with certain things. You know, 
he can tell me to well, turn your head, open wider, stick out your tongue, turn this way, turn that way, and I do it. Almost like an S&M kind of thing, really, if you think about it, especially if you're turned on while he's doing it and inflicting a little bit of pain. <gasps> what? <gasps> I found myself getting ready to go to my dentist appointment, and I realized that I put on what I feel is one of my sexiest outfits, my favorite pair of jeans, my favorite pullover that I think I look so good in. And I was like, damn, it's like I'm preparing for a date, even though he's getting ready to rip a crown off and put a new one on. So it was a cold morning and the dentist office was freezing cold, especially in the room that they put me. I was really frustrated with that because my feet and my hands were getting cold. But once again, he comes in after I'm numb and everything, after he's given me the shots to numb most of my face. I'd really do try to focus on him as he's working. Once again, he is in that position where my right shoulder and my head feel like they're almost in his lap and between his legs. <laughs> and I really felt a stir when he finally tells me, okay, turn your head toward me. I know it's just trying to get to the area that he needs to drill, but oh my God, you know, there's that thing. Uh, it's really us gay men, I think in particular, that just kind of crave being in that area of a man that we have the hots for. And once again, in that cold room, I could feel the heat coming off his body, especially around his dick. <laughs> and I once again would have just loved to have devoured him right there, even with a drill in my mouth. And I won't get to see him again for, you know, six, well, actually now it's five months since my checkup because the checkup swap found the problems with my crowns. Anyway, am I the only one who has fantasized about their dentist? <laughs> I don't know. I probably am, but I'm lucky enough to have one that's hot. He is the type of person that I would love to hook up with, but he's happily married. He's even got grandkids, which is a shock to me. I just, it's just hard for me to picture him with grandkids, but he has them. And he's still that he's aging like fine wine. He looks the same. He's just got, you know, the laugh lines are a little bit deeper. His appearance is just a little bit older, but he looks so damn good. He's keeping himself in shape. He is just tasty for a lack of a better word. And yes, if if he was on the menu, you all would be ordering him as well. And I have to be honest, I had this moment after he was done that I would have, if, I, if it was a porn, I would have said something. I'm like, well, you know, doc, since my mouth is numb, why don't you see how far your dick can go down my throat? Just all the cheesy, porn dialogue you can think about, right? Drill, baby, drill, drill. <laughs> Grind that stump. Grind it. <laughs> and you're already in the position, so we can go from from front to back just like that, couldn't it? <laughs> okay, maybe I had a little bit of vodka or perhaps just a gummy or two. That's why I'm acting this way, right? Probably. No, this is really me. Sorry.
it may be the gummies, but for some reason, I just had this thought what it would be like to be a dentist when you're in people's mouths and you can look straight up their nose. How many boogers do you think dentists see in any given day? Yeah, that's disgusting, right? <laughs> I think it's funny, though. <laughs> we took the long way around there, didn't we? But getting back to the subject, I think one of the reasons why I'm so cynical now is that I watch too many of these crime shows. You know, they explore true life murders. And have you all not noticed that virtually all of them are connected with domestic disputes, relationships, husbands, wives, etc. And it's like, well, hell's bells. If you don't have a relationship, you cut your risk of murder by at least 98% right there. It's really true. It is so troubling to see how many people in these cases, they view that it's better to murder their partner than just to get divorced. I guess if you're with someone, you better make sure that you're keeping an eye on whether or not they've bought life insurance policies on you. Because if they have, they may be getting ready to dust your ass. So it might be nice to have a relationship, especially around the holidays. But my God, look at all the things that happen in, in them. I mean, it's, it seems like you can't even just have arguments and fights like a regular couple would without somebody slitting your throat or shooting you in the head. I don't think it's really worth that, but maybe that's my fault. Is that, is that like grooming, watching all these shows and having that affect you? I mean, there's been a couple of them, though, that I've actually double-checked the doors to make sure they're locked before I go to bed. That's pretty fucked up, if you ask me. You see it happen every day. You see these stories where someone has killed their partners. I think what gets me the most is that these people think they're so smart that they can get away with it when nobody else really ever has. I guess I wonder why they don't, before they even, they might be considering doing it, but why don't they stop for a second and go, is this really worth going to prison for the rest of my life or possibly being executed in certain states? I guess if they told themselves up front, well, I'm going to get caught, so is it going to be worth it? And I would hope that most of them would say, well, it's not worth it. But if they were doing that, we wouldn't have murders in the first place, would we? Every single damn day, somebody is killing somebody, and they think that they're smart enough to get away with it. If you were that smart, you should be a high-profile investigator of some kind. You should be able to solve all these crimes. And I wonder, too, if there's people that actually watch these programs to get the ideas on how to kill somebody. That's possible, too, isn't it? In, in this day and age, the way people are, I think that they would very well do that. Then I start to think, which one of the guys I've dated would possibly be a killer. <laughs> Have you ever done that too? Which one of them would go to that level, to that length possibly, instead of just breaking up with you to murder you? Now that I think about that, there's probably one, I guess, maybe two. That brings something else to mind. And I'm sure it still happens today. I don't, I'm not out at the clubs as late as I used to be, but back in the day, especially if you were sexually adventurous, what I mean by that is if you wanted one-night stands or you didn't care to have a one-night stand or a 15-minute stand, if you want to call it that, whatever it took, like those men's room encounters and so on, there was one time this guy I thought was really hot, and I'll be honest here too, I'm always honest by the way, but uh, there was a guy one night, a little trashy looking, you know, a little, a little well not trashy, a bit of a country redneck kind of guy that I thought was, he just 
was hot. He was hot. In my opinion, he was hot. He was giving me the eye, and so we uh, chatted for a little bit, and we went to my car, and it was developing really good. He, you know, worked my pants down, and he was blowing me, and it was feeling really good, and I was getting into it. And for some reason, I just had this notion to reach down to my pants, and I felt for my wallet, and I noticed that my wallet wasn't in my pocket. I kind of raced up a little bit while he was blowing me, and we had enough street light coming into the car that I could see, and the wallet was down by his foot. While he was blowing me, he had lifted my wallet to try to get cash or something out of it. Pity the fool, though. There was like five bucks in it, so that might get you a, a drink at a bar, but that was about it. I said, did you do that? Knowing that he did, he goes, oh, it must have just fell out. I'm like, how did it fall out from there to there? And he just gave me this really weird shrug and look like, are you accusing me of being a thief? And I'm like, no, but get out of my car. And he was like, you're not going to give me anything for this? I'm like, you didn't say that up front. So are you saying you're a, you're a, a hustler? I am not a hustler. Well, then get the fuck out of my car. And then as he got out of the car and I was able to get the door locked, and he was walking back to the club. I was leaving anyway. And so I, I drove by and I rolled my window down and yelled out, why didn't you just ask me for the money? And then I just went on. I didn't bother for an answer. The clubs would make you street smart by experience, usually. You had to develop those skills by being exposed to it. I lucked out. I don't know what came over me to reach down, but I did. And if I hadn't, if he would have taken my wallet and been gone. By the way, I never saw that guy ever again at the club. I do know, and I've warned people, and I'm sure they still do. There are people that prey on club goers and they're looking at you as a potential target. You might be drinking, having a good time, and not really paying as close attention as you should. And they'll lift your wallet, or even worse. And I do have an even worse story, but I'm still debating on whether or not I want to talk about it. it it's a an horrific story, and it will dredge up a lot of dark memories. But we'll see. Maybe 2024 is the year that I will talk about some even darker things that happen. Maybe as a public service to make sure people are aware that even in a fun place like a club, bad things can really happen. I don't know that I have to really say that. I think everybody for the most part, are aware of those potential things. That's why I guess if I had um, a guardian angel, they're in therapy now, taking Xanax and probably having a drug and alcohol problem, just trying to keep me from getting killed. Wow, that took a turn. I will tell a story about a guy that I did date. And when I first met him, I met him at the club. He reminded me of one of the Atlanta Braves players at the time. And that's why I told him, I said, you remind me of this guy. We hit it off and I was attracted to him a little bit. We wound up, well, I asked for his number and, and I asked him out on a date. And we wound up hooking up and I thought that I could start dating him. In the conversation, he said that people in his regular life, his nickname was Preacher. And I'm like, why would they call you Preacher? And well, he never really told me exactly why they called him Preacher, but I did find out. How did I find out? 
I called him one day and it rolled over to voicemail. And I'm gonna try from memory, uh, recreate what his, his voicemail greeting said. And it went something like, you have reached Tony's voicemail. God bless you. I hope you're having a blessed day and Jesus touches your heart. So at the beep, leave a message. God bless you. Beep. Anyway, so I'm like, well, there's where that came from. Well, our relationship really didn't take off or anything. He was just not really my type. And he talked about how he was a skank whore and he loved to have sex all the time. And he slutted around. And I was always like, you brag about slutting around, but your, your nickname is Preacher. Then again, I mean, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Look at every televangelist. Every one of them's got three hookers and a man on the side, don't they? <laughs> I remember one night being at the club, the police showed up. Well, it was a detective. One of my friends came over and they said, can you come outside? A, a detective would like to speak to you. And I'm like, to me, what it was is that the detective wanted to talk to people that were regulars at the club. He showed me a picture and he says, do you know this guy? And I'm like, well, I don't know him, but I have seen him here many times. And then he says, well, I need to show you another picture. Do you know this guy? And I'm, he held up a picture of the guy nicknamed Pritcher, and he had been beaten to a pulp. And I'm like, oh, my God, yes, I know him. The detective didn't say anything. He says, but you can't tell me this other guy's name? I'm like, no, I, I've seen him, but I don't even know his name. That picture, though, kind of troubled me because the picture was definitely a mugshot. I never knew that guy. I had said hello to him a couple times. I never knew that he was that kind of a guy. And so I'm like, damn, he obviously had something to do with what happened to Preacher. Preacher and I had a mutual friend. The mutual friend was a really good friend of mine. So the minute the detective let me go, I called him. And I'm like, what in the hell happened to Preacher? And he was like, you'll never guess what happened to him. I'm like... I, I have a feeling that he got jumped somehow. He goes, oh yeah, but he hooked up with two guys there at the club, took both of them home. They beat him up and robbed him. They tied him with cords, electrical cords, in the shower and left him. He managed to get himself untied and call the police. And I'm like, but he's okay? He goes, yeah, he's okay. He, he said he was embarrassed and didn't want to talk about it. But then at work, that's all he's doing is telling everybody what happened to him so much for his worrying about what people think. And I'm like, well, what's done is done. You might as well be open about it, I guess. I don't know. So that was another lesson learned that when you did go home with somebody, you were running a risk of being hurt or worse. And I do still have an or worse story that I may share someday. I just don't know when. Sometimes the lessons you learn are ones that other people have to experience. But damn it. I mean, I would think that if you're going to a club, you just want to get dick. Instead, there's people that want to rob you, steal things from you. My God, I guess criminality never takes a break. Whenever there's an opportunity, someone will jump on it. I remember once 
one Friday night at the club. The place was packed. It was jumping. The, the dance floor was full. Everybody was having a good time. I mean, it was basically shoulder to shoulder. And honestly, you get groped in that kind of environment. And it wasn't considered a bad thing necessarily then when you were in those close quarters. But I was walking across the club going back to my bartender and there was this guy leaning against one of the columns near the dance floor. He caught my eye because he was one of the most beautiful young men I had ever seen at the club. Dark hair, perfectly combed and cut, deep dark blue eyes, a mustache and a a slight beard. He was just built. Mm, He was a very studly young man. I don't know what come over me. I was going to go around to get to the bar but it, like I said, it was so crowded. So I basically was kind of pushed right into where he was. He smiled at me. I smiled at him. And I absolutely made out with him right there without knowing a name or anything. And it was fucking hot. It was just, oh, and I was ready to go down on him right there if I could have, but I knew better. After that, we chatted and stuff and exchanged phone numbers because he was, he was getting ready to leave. He gave me his phone number. He said, call me tomorrow and we'll go out. Well, I did call him and he said, yeah, let's go out tonight. And I'm like, okay, I can. And I go up, we're going to meet outside the club and we would go from there to have dinner or something. The motherfucker never showed up. And I'm like, what was that all about then? Why did he put me through all this trouble to not ever show up? I guess I should have known there was more to his story than just a pretty face. But he was actually a hustler. He worked the room. He had a he got a date for that night. He was going to go out on the date, but he found a trick that would pay him, so he chose that instead. Now, over the years, I saw him over and over again. Part of my personality, I don't know, it's that I mentioned it before. You know how they say curiosity kills the cat? Well, it hasn't killed me yet, but I'm fascinated by that lifestyle, the the darker side of life, the street life, the grittiness of it. You hear you had this absolutely beautiful man that could be a model, but he was doing this and he was doing it for a living. He was he was a hustler. He was a male prostitute and apparently making a damn good living at it. Over the years I have like I said, I've seen him and he's he's gotten older and he stayed as attractive. And it was so strange that even when I was working at a server in, in the bar, he would come in with these older men and he was playing them for all that he could. And one night I had to throw him out and it was not pleasant. And he threatened me and everything else. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not afraid of him. You know, I could have dropped him like a bad habit. Even to today, just about a year and a half ago, actually before COVID, I was at happy hour one night. Here he comes in and I do a double take and he's got an an older guy with him and he comes over, hi, Alan, how are you doing? Hugging me and, and putting his hand in my crotch, which I didn't object to, but his escort, his, his gentleman friend sure didn't seem to like it too much when he glared at me, but I was just sitting there. I didn't do anything, but sit there. I guess that when he saw me there, we'll call him Will. Let's just call him Will. When Will saw me there, he started bringing this guy out more and more and more, even on nights that I wasn't there. And I had made a comment a few weeks later who he was to my favorite bartender. 
And he goes, oh, yeah, him, we had to ban him. He's been banned for life from here. He, he got busted doing some stuff, and uh, he's not allowed to come here anymore. And it turned out that he was pretty much banned from every bar. And another one of my good friends, we were talking about it, and he goes, yeah, I know that one. He's the one that I walked out at the other bar in town, and he was getting plowed by three different guys at the same time. I'm like, wow, I got to hand it to him. That's pretty impressive. So maybe after hearing those stories, you understand that I might have a reason for being cynical. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Alan After Dark. I hope you have fun. I hope you've been entertained. I hope you think about masturbating to this episode. Because after thinking about Will for the first time in years, I may just have to myself. Remember, take life by the balls and be real. We'll see you soon.